when I think about my life, I think about, um, yeah, it seems like I've done so many different things, yeah. but I always think it's all connected anyway. And it, it has brought me here and everything that I've done before is not wasted. Hey, you can just like reinvent yourself over and over again until you find it. Why are grown-ups so scared? Why are we so judgmental of our own creative output? We have to not be afraid of making mistakes, of just like making a fool of ourselves. And we just have to go and do it. Chew on This is a show that delves into the changes we go through in our professional lives. I'm your host, Danella, and in the spirit of my own journey, I've invited guests to tackle the topic of transition from several angles. Listen to the burning questions of regular folks, nuggets of wisdom from seasoned career shifters, and glean some advice from topic experts. Each episode will give you a taste of what it's like to embrace change, discover untapped potential, and thrive in the face of uncertainty. I know that by learning from our guests, we will transform not just our professional lives, but the core of who we are. Get ready to be nourished with invaluable insights that will leave you inspired to create your own recipe for success. I first met Apple two years ago in La Union, where we both currently live, because she interviewed me for a magazine article she was writing. We became friends, and now that friendship has blossomed into a beautiful creative collaboration with clothes and art, and hopefully many other things. As someone slightly older than me, it seems like she's already done so much more and has had, well, many lives and addresses, as she had put it. I thought it would be interesting for you all to hear her journey from writer, magazine editor, TV host, and furniture and fashion designer, and who knows what's next. She makes it sound really simple and easy, but my gosh, be prepared to be inspired by this woman's life. Hi, Apple. Maybe we can begin by, can you give us a quick overview, if that's possible, on all of the lives and addresses you've had? Oh, okay. So I started as, I suppose my professional life started as me being a writer, uh, which was completely unplanned. I did not know I could write. I entered university, the University of the Philippines, majoring in psychology. I was 16, didn't know what to do, didn't know what I wanted out of life. But all my English teachers told me I could write. Like I wrote a term paper on Picasso and just like my English teacher at that time was telling me, you can write, this is so good. I was going, oh, okay, thanks. And that was just a pattern throughout my college years. And I started um, hanging out with a theater group and started writing scripts and I attended a few script writing workshops uh, notably with uh, the late great Renevadin Reva and like attending one particular workshop of his with Keta really really um, made me enamored of the whole process of writing because apparently there was a process to it because before that I thought that writing was just you know it's all inspiration uh, yeah. yeah, it came from the heavens. <laughs> apparently, there was a process, and I love that, that oh, there was a process, there's a creative process, apparently. So I started writing a few, uh, few plays. I wrote a few plays in university, and before I had graduated, I was uh, writing for uh, the children's show Matibot back in the days. Okay. 
and I was contributing um, pieces to Today newspaper, which is run by Teddy Boy Lockstein back in the day. And I was offered, I was like being offered um, positions as editor uh, shortly after graduation. And that's what I did. First, I started as a, as a writer, but quickly got promoted to the editor. And uh, John McLeapon, who was then uh, one of the editors of the Manila Times, when it was being run by Malumangahas, uh, she recruited me to become her managing um, editor. And I was like, I don't know, I was 22 years old. Oh <laughs> as 22 years old, as a managing editor of uh, the Sunday um, magazine of a major newspaper and it was a lot of responsibility and that's just writing I was, I was writing for newspapers and then I went into magazine writing uh, because at that time just newspaper writing was so unstable so an opening at Summit Publishing when it was still doing uh, magazines came up this is the, at the very beginning okay. of magazines and I was offered a job at Good Housekeeping as managing editor. Already? Right yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I, I was I was very young. I was like in my mid twenties, and I took it. And then the editor quit, and I became editor in chief of Good Housekeeping. I was twenty seven years old. No, I, no family. I mean, I had my own household, but you know, I I learned then writing. For magazines was writing for an audience so i learned how to write for an audience doing that because oh like versus a play versus a play play okay. yeah because it comes from for me like uh, when i was writing plays it was coming from my own point of view what right. i wanted to write and then i started writing for magazines and it was writing for for other people for homemakers mm -hmm. i was writing about education educating your children managing your household budgeting your 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 household expenses <laughs> and i was like huh but it could be done so it was about talking to an audience but it, it was also about uh how you how you did your messaging uh what language do you use what pictures you use right. uh what models uh you pick to illustrate your oh, your right uh articles okay so it was, I, I really learned a lot and um, I was working with a bunch of women. It was fun because it was really a lot of women's magazines at that point. It was like people from Cosmo, Preview. It was a really fun time for me. Then I founded Real Living, which was their shelter magazine because I, I, I was getting tired. I was really getting tired because um, publishing is, is it's, it's a hard uh, career. Yeah. Like there are days when you just put in 12 hours of work, um, always chasing after deadlines, mm. always chasing after your writers and your photographers. And really, you're really into the details because proofreading all the time, making sure that everything is just perfect. And instead of letting me quit, they gave me a new magazine, which they thought I would really love to do I because see. it was I'd always been interested in interiors. I was interested in furniture, in houses, in art. So, so I did that. I did that for another three years, and I'm I'm telling all, you all these things because I I think that was really um, sort of my training ground for what I'm doing now, which seems unrelated. Okay. Oh, because after that, I got married. I had to move to Europe. Of course, I had to quit my job. Right. 
I moved to Europe in the middle of nowhere in France. This was not Paris. This was not the city. This was not even Marseille. My neighbors were horses and bulls. So I was like in the middle of nowhere in France. And I didn't know what I could do because yeah. I my specialty was English. And I also uh, realized that if they were looking for somebody who could do a job that could be performed in English, they would really go for a native English speaker. Mm-hmm. Even if my language is better than a native English speaker, I was still considered not considered a native English speaker, right? Okay. Because I'm Filipino, so it was considered my second language. I did contribute, started contributing to like English literary journals back then, uh, which was being published in France. So that that's cool. But really, I was like, I was bored. I, I didn't know what to do. I yeah. didn't know what to do. Uh, another part of me, before I became a writer, uh, it was that I'd always been making things. I grew up in a creative household. My mother went to Slim's fashion school, mm-hmm. uh, was always wanting to make design, make, and sell clothes. So we always had that, you know, costurera at home, mm-hmm. like one or two um, women at the sewing machine, uh, making clothes, and then my mom would try to sell it. And um, we had this little stall, I remember, in Baclaran, and sometimes I would, like, watch over that. So there's also that. And we would make wedding gowns sometimes. And oh. one of my my most precious memories from when I was, like, a really young girl was beading wedding oh. dresses at my mom's atelier. Of course, we didn't call that atelier before. It was called <laughs> Patahian, right? So it's like I, I would bead and I was surrounded constantly all the time by sewing machines and women who knew how to sew. And so every Christmas, my sisters and I would sew up stuff to give to 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 our relatives, like stuffed toys, neckties, stuff like that. So I already had that background. Uh, this time was when Etsy was okay. starting to boom. And I said, hmm... Maybe there's an opportunity there because I started sewing things. I fell in love with French linen okay. and vintage fabric from the flea markets. It was like, it was sort of like a dream for me when I think about it. It was so dreamy, that lifestyle. I would go thrifting. I would like come back and with my haul of lace, old lace, old linen, beautiful things. And I would sew them up into something else and i was sewing really fancy stuff like little dolls or stuffed apples but stuff for the home and then there's story attached to it i make poems to go with the product so it's really about marketing also and uh realizing that well people were loving it that it was coming from france and there was a story behind it so i again i think my training in magazines came into play i knew how to talk to my market. And people who were at Etsy at that time wanted handmade things with a story. It became sort of a hit. Like I was um, featured in, my works were featured in Apartment Therapy, mm. in uh, another Canadian website called Poppy Talk. I was featured in Vogue Italy. So so that's what I did. I, I, I was dealing in um, vintage French um, home decoration and furniture, shipping them to the U.S. and Japan. So I was doing that too. But at the same time, I was writing. While yeah. I was doing this, I was still writing. Oh. So I was like publishing here in the Philippines. <laughs> I was doing a blog at this time called Provinciana. Yeah. <laughs> and that blog became a book. I see. And Com- like a compilation? Yeah, a compilation of my life. And it was like like humorous takes on uh, like how a Manila girl 
was adjusting to life in provincial France. Sort of, it was how funny it was. I'm from Manila. I'm from the city. I used to. I'm used to things being fast. I moved to like a first world, a developed country. Yeah. But it was slowing ah. down. And like I would be at the supermarket, um, ah. lining up for the groceries, and like the 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 girl at the counter would be talking forever with a customer. I was like, come on, come on, come on, let's go, let's move it. So it, that was funny. So anyway, that was published into a book, and then I also wrote. Uh, an essay, won a palanka for it. I started writing speculative fiction. And I was doing that because I realized that one of the things that um, was making me burn, burn out when I was in my magazine job was that, that writing for somebody else. I went back to writing for myself. And then I came back to the Philippines. And then I didn't want to be a writer. What, what happened? I knew I didn't want to, to, to go back to publishing because I came back and I suppose there was that option that yeah. I could, you know, maybe apply for a job in, in publishing. But no offense to my friends who stayed in publishing, but really I came back and I met some of them again. And in my head, it was really, how is this possible? How can you stay here doing the same thing for years and years and mm -hmm. years? I knew it was not it. I, I couldn't do that anymore. So I started my own fashion line, <laughs> which is what I'm doing now. It's called Good Luck Humans. And I went back to what I was doing when I was a child, which is like sewing things. And uh, we do a lot of handwork, a lot of smocking, a lot of embroidery. Everything that I had done before informs what I do now. Mm -hmm. So from the time that I was in my mom's uh, patahian doing the beading, mm -hmm. Uh, to the time that I was write, learning how to write for an audience. Mm -hmm. uh, to the time when I was in France and just like writing for myself. But all of that informs what I do now, I feel. Because number one, I do things that please me um, enormously. Yeah. The design that I make, I, I things that give me pleasure. When I see them come to life, we make them, and when I see them like live in front of me, I really get a thrill. Mm. But also, I'm still designing for an audience. Uh, I don't resent that anymore. Because of the training, I suppose, in publishing, I don't mind that because I know also that doing that will help me continue um, doing this, this work that I love, leading this life that I love. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't mind that at all. And also, it's a challenge for me as it was a challenge back then, trying to write mag uh, make magazines for specific audiences, it's a challenge for me. How do I make clothes for this specific audience? That, that, and that it will continue to be interesting to them. When I think about my life, I think about, um, yeah, it seems like I've done so many different things, yeah. but I always think it's all connected anyway. And it, it has brought me here and everything that I've done before is not wasted. It sounds as if when you tell your trans your story, uh, things happened naturally. So newspaper to magazine to magazine to leaving to going abroad, right, and then coming back uh, and starting the clothing line, like that. There were these things that just naturally triggered, and that you went with the flow. Um, was there anything, any hard decisions you had to make along the way? Oh yeah. Leaving leaving my magazine job was a hard decision. So even because you were getting married and moving, like yeah, it was a hard decision because um, 
uh, at that point, I had been in publishing for 12 years. It mm -hmm. was a, a life that I knew. Yeah. It was a job that I was good at. I dare say I was very good at it. So it was difficult to quit that and like go into the unknown. Suddenly, I was really powerless because my power had been, had been told that my power was my ability to communicate. Mm -hmm. And from the age of 16 to the age of 32, yeah. when I left, that was my power my ability to use my words right and to suddenly find myself in a country where i could not communicate because for the first year i i took a few basic french lessons before leaving but really like taking a few lessons and just like being there and speaking with locals is totally different so for for the first year that was so hard suddenly that power that i had was meaningless so it, it was really like a reset but uh, that time forced me to uh, look at other things that I may be good at because I, I would I was making my clothes so I went back to something that I could do I, I think you know I, I had to learn to adapt and also tap into other things that I was good at it was really wonderful I really felt sort of liberated was moving to France the one of the bigger things that happened to you in your life at that point you know, being plunged in my 20s in the world of journalism was so big Okay, for me. But in terms of like, like, yeah, I think it was the biggest, but not, yeah, it was not the only big thing. Mm -mm. But yeah, it was one of the biggest things that had ever happened to me. It's, it's really different. You really have to, to fend for yourself yeah. and like, do a lot of things on your own. I feel like I relate to you a lot when it comes to kind of changing. But a lot of the people I speak with, people who want something new and who want to change, there's a lot of fear. Fear of yeah. like losing a paycheck, fear of um, not being financially secure if they pursue what they want to pursue. Yeah. Like, do you have any of that? Or? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, no, no. Why not? Uh, why not? I have no idea. I'd always been pretty fearless. Mm -hmm. I'd always, maybe being raised by parents who are entrepreneurs or who became entrepreneurs. Uh, raised by a, like a really kick-ass mom who just reinvented herself over and over again. Okay. Until she found, she was like a serial entrepreneur. Yeah. I suppose is what you would call her. Until she found the perfect fit. Okay. And then when she found it, she just ran with it. So I, I grew up seeing that, seeing that hey, you can just like reinvent yourself over and over again until you find it. I, I'm not sure if this is it, but I like you know I've had moderate and big successes along the way. Uh, fear of um, losing a paycheck. It's more of a fear now, I suppose. I think I would not move to another country now, like just mm. like that, because I have a child now. But when I was single, I didn't really care. Like I knew I could do something anyway. I knew I would be all right. I knew that I had that personality that I could make something somewhere. But now that I have a child, yes, then there is a fear. If you told me that, okay, you have to change your life, I would say, I would say no. So, okay. So as someone who likes to sew, who's creative, who writes, who's done many creative things, how do you manage a business? Like, where did you pick that stuff up? Yeah. So I think I had always been naturally organized, always wanting to do my best, always just uh, wanting to make sure that things were running correctly. I'd, I'd had a knack for running things ever since for knowing uh, how to follow deadlines, knowing the requirements of projects and like sort of making sure people who are on my team deliver. Yeah. 
Uh, I think that's so important. I think that's one of the most important things you have to have as a creative. And that it's not easy though. I think if you can't do that, you better have like a, a partner who can help you do that. Are there things you you know you're not good at? Don't think There's you? so many things that I am not good at. Like what do you outsource? So like oh. if you're running a business, obviously you can't do everything. Yeah, yeah. well now now I have a first I have a marketing manager. I've realized like right now that uh, the the strength of our business lies in the design. I have decided to concentrate on that. Uh, what else am I not good at? I am not good at staying in production for days at a time. Okay. Like I can be at my desk and like designing things, but in the sewing room uh, for days and days at a time, I can't do that anymore. I have a production manager to handle that for me. Uh, of course, I have an accountant because, right, <laughs> we all need an accountant. I know. Oh, I don't think I'm very good at networking. That's the thing. In any industry, I do believe that you have to know people to push your 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 product forward. Right, right. I, I think I, I can I can work on that a little bit more. I'm not very good at it. I mean, I, I'm very cheery and mm. yeah, but no, I don't think so. What's cooking for you right now? Oh, our collaboration. I, I am excited by that. I mean, I'm really excited. Okay, one of the things that I believe in deeply is that a lot of people really are creative, uh, but we, we have to tap into it. We have to learn to not be afraid of um, making mistakes. We have to be afraid of, we have to not be afraid of making mistakes, of just like making a fool of ourselves. And we just have to go and do it. So my project now is to like um, work with other creatives mm. and just like, you know, a chain of creativity. Okay, just it can be like creatives who are established, more established artists to less established artists, mm -hmm. and um, just just make make an exciting chain of creativity that you can all tap into and oh. and enjoy yourselves. And I do think um, it, it helps. It helps to to let other people into your creative space because if it's all well, I'm sure there are creative geniuses out there that sila lang, but it's right. me, it's me, what I do, right? Great, great, right? But I think like working with somebody like informs your work as well. Yes. Like this collaboration with you that we're going to launch soon, combine clothes with your art and um, my design, I think it has already informed my color choices. I already saw mm. like, oh, it's, it's informed how I'm choosing my colors. It's like making things because your, your colors are just so bright and uh, um, sophisticated. So like I'm trying to like, wow, okay. I, I already saw how it sort of like influenced my other works. Okay. And I like, I guess now it's making sense what you had thought of, like when you have your pop-up space in the mall in a few weeks, weeks outside, uh, that that opening up like or having a mini event for your customers and trying out yeah, art. Yes, we're, yes. The adults especially are so afraid of making, I mean even me to this day, to try something new that someone else is doing, very scary. Like if I do my thing, of course yeah. I'm so confident, but if I have to try like pottery or something completely unfamiliar, then I cringe and I'm always so like judgmental about yeah, my output. Judgmental, yeah. I, I think that's what we have to like take off the table. Why yeah. like why are grown-ups so scared? Why are we so judgmental of our own creative output? We just enjoy the moment, enjoy the process, enjoy what you're doing. Because yes, also in like at the pop-up in Greenbelt 5, 
I want to do like, you know, little, little parties, little creative parties where even non-creative quote unquote people, they're welcome and they can do things yeah. with like a, a creative, an artist and see what the outcome is. And I think that's going to be exciting and maybe I, I hope soul opening for yeah. a few people. Oh, that's nice. Because, okay, so speaking of pottery, I did it with my, when my family visited a few weeks ago. And there is, so, there is a moment in between the the disgust with your output where you're, like, you're doing it and you're just enjoying the process. Yeah. And I think unlocking that for people who define themselves and are describe themselves as not creative yeah, really helps. Exactly. Just do, do, do something and have fun. What advice would you have for someone who has been in a job for a long time and wants to venture into entrepreneurship oh do it slowly okay definitely don't quit your day job and open a a muffin shop or something don't do that start small okay um see if it's something you really want to do see if you you have a market for it Mm. but also always always remember that what you may think of as a passion or it's because you all if you're doing something on the side for example you're making jewelry mm-hmm. and you you feel that this is what you're called to do remember that if you make that into a business then so many other things are going to have to happen you're not just creating for jewelry you're going to have to think of it as a business it will become a job right so are you willing to make that passion of yours into your job yeah oh. Just do it slowly, step by step. See where it will take you. Uh, don't jump in without having done your homework. No, right? Because you gotta do your homework because yeah, paychecks are important. But you can jump in your twenties, right? In your right. Tw- early twenties, go ahead, quit your day job, right? right. But I'm, I'm assuming you're the, the people who listen to you are beyond that. You're like you're in your thirties. You have bills to pay, car payments, yeah. loans. Yeah. So you gotta gotta do your homework first. See if this is for you. But enjoy the process. Creativity is something that can happen in any area of life, not just art. In Apple's case, when faced with something new or something she didn't know much about, her creative process involved taking a look around, taking stock, and actually turning her discomfort and uncertainty into something productive. I'd love to hear how you face the challenges in your life, so please feel free to share your thoughts with me. Hungry for more? Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you enjoyed today's show, I'd be incredibly grateful if you could leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Your feedback means the world to me and helps others discover the podcast too. You can also show your support by buying me an espresso to help keep my energy up via buymeacoffee.com slash thesecretsaucelab. If you have any suggestions for future topics, guest interviews, or just want to say hello, feel free to reach out. You can find me at at thesecretsaucelab on social media. Chew on This is a production of The Secret Sauce. Ripple Creatives is the technical producer of the show. I'm Danella, your host. Thanks for listening and see you next time.